Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and I have with me, as always, my co-host and friend, Grant McGalliard. Grant, uh, how are you this evening? Semester's winding down? Semester's winding down. We have, uh, as of as of the night of this recording, two more days until Christmas break. So I am uh, I'm living the dream, man. How about yourself? Yeah, doing well. Uh, my life is a joke, and so I would say the semester's winding down, but my entire life is a semester winding down. So... Um, it's been fun to have a little bit of a breath of, uh, you know, there hadn't been regular games. I got to go on, um, Ed Feng, the power ranks podcast, uh, this, uh, that came out today, I think, and talk analytics, deep dive kind of stuff and, and, uh, you know, work on tweaking the model and everything. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. So it's a good week. We are in, um, I almost made, Oh, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I almost made a dirty joke and I'm, I'm just going to refrain from doing it, but. I like that. I like that energy, and I like that censorship. I like both of those things. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. Um, we, are, I'm, I'm comfortable disclosing my location because you can probably hear it in the background. Uh, we are in Kansas City right now, just kind of stopping over for for a week, and uh, there are like 80 mile an hour gust winds behind me. <laughs> so um, the power goes out randomly. That's happened a couple times today. You'll know. Uh, you'll know why. I'll just keep talking and pretend nothing happened, and it'll be okay. Yeah, you just go back in and uh, yeah, that, that, that'll work out. Yeah, I'll um, play. A, I'll play like a tequila or something over the uh, over the dead spot, and then just when you come back in, I'll cut it. <laughs> I think the, just because <laughs> I think I mean, the, the lawyers will like get us this. with the uh, with playing tequila. Yeah. When uh, my friends and I all get together, you know, like an Airbnb, we have to clean it, you know, before we leave. We just yeah. save all the cleanup for like Sunday morning, and we just play tequila on a loop for like two hours. I'll be clean to just, and then all of us will stop like picking up a can and just go tequila. And then we keep walking and keep, so it's been on my Spotify most played like the last (laughs) three years because of, because of this. I'm uh we're in peak off season content, so I'm okay. I'm okay going down this rabbit trail, but I distinctly remember in elementary school. So my, my sister's like, uh, you know, three or four years younger than me. I should know that offhand. Um, but, uh, I was a boy scout and she was, a Girl Scout, they were brownies when they were like the the Girl Scouts are called brownies when they're brownie scouts when they're a little younger. And there was some kind of talent competition. I can't remember the exact details, but one of the moms of the brownie scouts, uh, unbeknownst to all the other moms, got all of these like second graders together and taught them a dance to the song Tequila. (laughs) And I went to a uh, I went to a religiously affiliated private school in elementary school, and a lot of the moms were not super happy about their daughters <laughs> dancing and singing tequila. And there was a whole kerfluffle. People left the school. There was there was drama. It was it was a whole big thing about that song. So, um, that's my that's my uh, uh, I was going to say fun story, but it's just a tangential anecdote about the song tequila. <laughs> I always wanted to do it for karaoke. Uh. And just stare stone faced the entire time during the during the trumpet. Party. That's some John Belushi shit. That's funny. I know it, it'd be it'd be a good bit. Um, speaking of John Belushi, my go to karaoke song is "Stand by Your Man," Tom, uh, Tammy Wynette, because uh, okay. they did in Blues Brothers, and it's it's pretty easy to carry a tune, and everybody thinks it's funny, and it's only like two minutes and twelve seconds long. So, yeah, yeah, length is the key. You can't go over like three and a half. No, the the only other one that I do with any regularity is faithfully by journey. And I like to get up there and oh. pretend that I have a tear in my eye and say, this is for my brother. And then <laughs> <laughs> sing faithfully. <laughs> oh God, that's good. <laughs> uh, shout out, shout out to the poop deck. Shout out to Wayne at the poop deck. Um, always a friend of the podcast, even though, uh, his and my friendship was was before the podcast, so he doesn't even know this exists. But um, yeah, well, welcome to the off season, folks. We're here. We're languishing in it. Um, Grant, I I wrote a thing today. I can't remember the last time I've actually written a thing. Uh, yeah, you did. You uh, you dipped the pen in ink. It was it was a nice surprise to get uh, in my email inbox uh, this morning. The... You you you, uh, you forgot the password. Good lord. It has been that long, has it? I did have to reset the password, and I just um, the sheer the power that I can just throw something in people's inbox uh, was just in, intoxicating. I just I went I walked around for like five minutes, just the blood was pumping. I was like, yeah, I can just throw content at people. 
you you texted me. You're like, hey, I'm gonna write something. I'm like, great. And then five minutes later, I got the email. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> he's written it. That's cool. Yeah, so I just did. I just Good did uh, um, purpletheory.substack.com. Just did a little um, comparison of my model to reality for TCU. I'll probably do it for the rest of the Big Twelve teams, but I won't do it as detailed as I did at TCU. But it's fun to go back and look and be like, hey, here's what the numbers projected. Here's what went wrong. And weirdly enough, Grant, I kind of talked myself into a narrative where like the season wasn't as bad as it looked. And I know that's like removed mm-hmm. from a couple moments, but like there are some inflection points in the SMU, Texas, West Virginia game, particularly and the Kansas state game where like TCU very easily could have won all four of those games. Um, on on talent yeah. and on the way that the game was going. I mean, clearly they didn't, and there's a reason they didn't, and that's endogenous. But like, I was kind of talking to myself, like, I think this team was probably closer to seven and five than they were actually being a true five and seven talent team. Yeah, and I think I'm fine with that evaluation. It's just there there is a difference between five and seven and seven and five, and it can't always be you know. Oh, like, you know, one play could have saved it or whatever. It's like, well, also, you could have done all these other, taken advantage of all the other players that did go your way or, you know, make better plays throughout to kind of, so that it doesn't hinge on those inflection points. Good teams don't often encounter inflection points, I would say. Yeah, you're not, you know, you, you, you and like, I mean, I think about Baylor this year. Like, I don't think Baylor was particularly good in terms of like offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency, but they were really good in like the intangibles and like the discipline and, at taking advantage of moments. And I kind of think about like, um, uh, I think about that song by the band, Bruce Springsteen did it. I, I can't, I think Bruce Atlantic city, Atlantic city. Atlantic city. And he just says that, you know, there's, there's, um, uh, there's winners and and there's losers and I'm South of the line. Uh, it's Mm -hmm. just kind of that idea of like, yeah, TCU, you know, there's just something innate about like, if all the breaks go against you, you're south of the line, man. Like you're you're a loser. That's that's what it is. And so, I mean, that that's the reality of the season. Is is TCU? There's a reason that TCU found themselves on the bad side of every break. But you go back and look at those breaks, and you think, like, man, if those had gone differently, if that, like, if if just the luck had bounced the other way, we're looking at a really really different season. And I mean, TCU fired Gary Patterson this year. Like, I mean, maybe they don't yeah. do that if they're seven and five, right? Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but some of those inflection points came before Gary left. And the other thing, too, is I'm going to throw a a quote that's not originally from Justified, but I heard it in Justified, which is, you know, if you run into an a-hole in the morning, you ran into an a-hole. If you run into a-holes all day, you might be the a-hole. And that's kind of how TCU football season went. It's like, you know, okay, well, you know, the Texas game ended badly. Okay, well, so did West Virginia. Okay, well, so did SMU. And I know I got those out of order, but still, I mean, it's. If you repeatedly shoot yourself in the foot, someone should probably take the gun away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally get that. And I mean, that's not even going down the thread of like, if TCU beats SMU, Gary Patterson doesn't do his, hey, an SMU player hit Jerry Kill with his helmet nonsense. And that's a whole nother circus. Like there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of what ifs. Can I? So we were talking before the podcast. I had up uh, ESPN's um, quotes of the uh, college football year. Ooh, I like quotes. Uh, I do love quotes, Parker. I, we we definitely have read at this almost verbatim on this podcast, but I just want to go back because the one mention of TCU football in these quotes. They hate you because you take a song that you wrote about COVID and getting back to families, and they make fun of you. If I had the time, I'd go out and get all the copyright laws, and I'd get after their ass. But I've got Longhorns on my mind right now, not them. Which, he might have had Longhorns on his mind, depending on what might happen in the next coming weeks, if you believe the tweets. But it's neither here nor there. Grant, if I was your editor, I would make you tomorrow write a piece that was Gary Patterson quotes as drill tweets. (laughs) (laughs) And another thing, I'm not mad. Please don't print the newspaper that I got mad. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. I yell as I slowly shrink into an iron skillet or yeah, whatever. That I think, I think yeah. that honestly, honestly, Grant, we don't have editorial standards, but uh, that might be below it. That's too low hanging fruit. Like that's too easy. I know it's too uh, easy. <laughs> that's great. Um, wait, wait, wait. Hold, right, on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, hold ahead. on. 
food, $50. Water, $10. <laughs> Clothing, $5. Country music recording equipment, $300,000. Someone please help me budget this. My family is dying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Now we're done. <laughs> that section of this podcast is for about 15 people. <laughs> and I'm so glad it happened. I'm dead. My wife is coming over right now from across the room to make sure that I haven't died. Oh my gosh. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Thank you. That was the first ever appearance of the Statso Wife on the uh, Purple Theory podcast. Um, man, 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 man. What else is there while we're bantering? Uh, Grant, bull pick them. That's the thing we're doing. Bull pick them. Yep. Um, you have a chance to prove that we are idiots and pick games. Uh, I've tweeted the link. You've tweeted the link. We um, did a little <clears throat> collaboration and uh, with uh, yeah, with fum- the Frogs War Fumble Town. And uh, the, so you can uh, join the Fumble Town official uh, pick, um, uh, official bowl pick I'm on ESPN. The winner will get a super dope prize. I am still working on the logistics of what exactly that's going to be, but I generally know what it is going to be. So I'm not going to announce it yet, but it's going to be dope. Um, I will say the stats of wife is involved. She's a graphic designer. It's going to be cool. It's going to be something apparel related. So, um, yeah, you should join that. And, uh, one, you'll get bragging rights just to show that we're all dumb. So that, that, that in itself is, is, uh, worthwhile. I think. Yeah. Fumbletown is the uh, dark web of the TCU, uh, Twitter community, I suppose. And, and the prize Parker's too shy to say it, but I'll say it. he's actually going to do an EPA of your entire life. Um, so just be prepared for a lot of negative plays. I'm going to have to like come live in your house for like a couple weeks and, and do some recon too. Um, what, I'm trying to remember what game it was, Grant, that I named the group chat Fumbletown. Dude, I was because it's been that way since last year. No, it was And I was trying to figure out what. Yeah. yeah. We'll go back and look at a game where we had four or five fumbles. And it was near the end of the year. I've kind of blocked that season out. I think everyone should. But, That's uh, gonna be the first question I ask God when I get to heaven. Is like, hey, when did I name the group chat Fumbletown? <laughs> Awful presumptuous of you, but sure, okay, yeah, go ahead and ask the big guy. Uh, uh, man, <laughs> oh boy, uh, Parker, I know you're driving this bus, but I- I'm itching to talk recruiting. I'm very clearly not driving this bus. Let's talk about some <laughs> recruiting today. Um, TCU signed two blue chips. And a bunch of not blue chips. So that's something. Yeah, that's something. You know, there's the whole debate, you know, quantity versus quality, all that, whatever. Um, and if you look, at, if you using 24-7 sports recruiting ranking, TCU has the third highest average, uh, you know, the players are third highest average of any Big 12 team behind uh, Oklahoma and Texas in that order. The problem is that they've only signed eight, or excuse me, 10 players. Whereas Texas, for example, has signed 27. Baylor has signed 20. West Virginia signed 20. Iowa State signed 21. I didn't know there were 21 people in Ames. And TCU has only signed 10. Uh, quality is great. You also have to fill out a death chart. And I'm not entirely sure if the current staff is aware of that. Well, I imagine they'll do some some transfer portal and be looking to fill out that way. But also, I guess when you look at TCU and kind of who has um, like who's played if we go I'm, I'm pulling up PFF right now just to, um, doing that live so I'm vamping for a second but if I go look at like offensive grades right mm-hmm. uh, so here's who's coming back in terms of total snaps right Andrew Coker is coming back Steve Avila yeah. is coming back Max Duggan is coming back Coy McMillan is coming back Brandon Coleman is coming back Tay Barber has an extra year. I don't know if he's coming back. Uh, Quincy Brown is coming back. Darius Davis is coming back. Quentin Johnson's coming back. Blair Conright, John Lance, uh, Emery De Mercado has another year. So like their top 13 snaps on offense are coming back. And sure. if you go to defense in terms of total snaps, Winters is back. THT, I don't think is going to the draft. Oshan, LaKendrick, TJ Carter has a year. So I assume he's coming back. Nook Bradford, young CJ Caesar, I hope decides to pursue something else, but he theoretically is coming back. Horton, Cooper, Hodge, Bethley, Jenkins, Foster, Wyatt Harris, Carr Coleman, uh, Earl Barquet transferred. 
Uh, Noah Daniels is coming back. So that's the top, you know, 16 snaps on, on defense. Right. So TCU is in a position where they have a ton of returning production. And so I get a little bit like, okay, maybe we're not taking as big of a class, but it is concerning where it's like that class is not like 16. It's nine right now. Right now. And, and the positions we talked about this a little bit too, are not exactly what I would call positions of need. Uh, Jordan Hudson's yeah, your top I, guys. What wide receiver. What do I want? You, you want a four to five star. You want a blue chip offensive lineman. I want multiple blue chip linemen on, on both sides of the ball. And TCU just does not sign them consistently. No, as a matter of fact, there's only one lineman in this class. Uh, Quentin Harris, who's a three star out of Arlington Seguin. Um, yeah, it's puzzling that TCU just – and I, I mean, this is – I mean, I know Gary and his staff did a, the majority of the recruiting work for these people, at least the ones that didn't flip from SMU. But, you know, it's not like Sonny Dykes went out and said, hey, what's the biggest lineman I can land right now either, apparently, because you have wide receiver, safety. Wide receiver is not exactly a position of need. I think TCU's talented there, but it's, they're always nice to have. Safety, we saw this year – you know, it'd be nice to have another guy in the back end, but then you have an edge rusher, defensive lineman, a corner, a running back, a quarterback who's a, a three-star, and then a defensive lineman. Um, these aren't necessarily holes that TCU's filling. Um, I will say the transfer of Terrence Cooks from Texas is intriguing. Um, really highly rated out of high school, not so much coming out of Texas. I think that's funny because it's kind of the double-edged thing where you get the extra star bump once you commit to Texas. And then once you play for Texas and Texas sucks, you get the star taken away from you. But I think he'll be a good addition at linebacker. It's just, there aren't holes that TCU is noticeably filling here. No. And I mean, if you like Sonny Dykes didn't take a, a lineman in the 2021 class, like, so maybe you could argue he does kind of batch recruiting, which so like, it would be nice to have a full, um, a full lineup of blue chip linemen. But, like, it's almost useless to TCU to take one or two blue chips at offensive line every year because then you never mm. have a, a line that's, like, five guys who are experienced who are good. And so if you just take, like, five three-stars every other year, you're basically guaranteed to have, like, depth and experience. So maybe I, – I haven't looked into that deep enough. Maybe that's what he's doing. But still, again, I mean, I think TCU has always been able to recruit – skill and speed guys TCU really has not been able to recruit linemen uh well and um it would be nice to to do that which is weird because when TCU was having its you know best years in the Big 12 they had a solid offensive line for three or four years I mean, you had guys like Schlotman um uh the dude with the dude, long name whose name I'm completely blanking Patty on but Moe, they had a lot of Joey really... Hunt uh yes uh Vitae Vitae, thank you. Yeah, Vitae. Yeah, Joey Hunt, by the way, whose aunt works with me. Fun fact. Um, oh. She's our uh, she's our uh, district nurse. There you go, little tie-in. But yeah, it's it's they had a bunch of really talented players, um, guys that went into the NFL, and they've had you know maybe one guy per team. That, you know, Lucas Niang obviously being the one that stands out. That okay, he went to the NFL, but the line hasn't been solid across the board, like you mentioned in a long time. So. If batch recruiting is what Sonny Dykes is going after, I guess that's fine. But, man, there's going to be some lean years before that batch develops into a, a, a unit that can see the field. Well, at least we have Andrew Coker to fill in the game. <laughs> <sighs> the less um, said, the better. Uh, yeah, not great. I think this concludes my thoughts on recruiting generally because um, I haven't watched these kids or evaluated these kids, and I'm not going to take – you know, I'm not going to try and – we're not going to try and sound smart about numbers and stuff that other people have gone on there. I just saying, I think that um, TCU is obviously trying to beat Baylor and Texas tech at the game that both Baylor and Texas tech are playing. And um, I like to build my house on the rock, not the sand. And I feel like uh, offensive linemen and defensive linemen are, are the rock. So I mean, TCU took a bunch of defensive linemen. They're not highly recruited, but or highly rated, but again, that is a lot of reinforcements to come in. So that's at least interesting. Um, anything else about TCU's recruiting? class? Oh, go ahead. TCU's class is behind Illinois, Northwestern, Marshall, um, behind Georgia Tech, they're behind Vanderbilt, behind Boston College. So you know, that's not good. Yeah, that's um, 
No, it's not ideal. Hopefully that um <laughs> they are ahead of USC though. Well, it could always be worse. That's the good reminder, right? It could always be worse. Um and and hopefully with transfers uh that that evens out a little bit. TCU was yeah. you know, historically has been very solidly the third best recruiting team in uh in the Big 12 during their entire tenure. And so one, that's kind of annoying that they're um Recruiting has been so good and the results have not matched that. But two, you know, the, mm-hmm. the um, complementarity there hasn't been good. They, you know, they can add a, a five-star running back or, you know, a bunch of four-star receivers or a bunch of four-star athletes who may or may not pan out to being uh, successful defensive backs. And so it would be nice to see Sonny Dykes be a little more specialized in, in his recruiting, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, or four-star athletes that turn out to be uh, really bad people, which also happened. <coughs> TCU has no shortage of those. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Um, yeah, what a dour yeah. note recruiting to end the recruiting segment. <laughs> no, I was going to say, recruiting sucks. I hate it. Um, like, it's just, it's never, like, even when I was doing this full-time, I hated talking about recruiting. So, um, I think now that I'm removed from it, and I don't have to, like, constantly think about what recruits are going to what school it's more fun to talk about but it's still my least favorite part of college football yeah well and mostly i feel like it's the area where there's like the highest false confidence because true this isn't true of like everyone who does recruiting and i'm not talking about anyone specifically but like there is some skeeziness for like people who get paid to cover recruiting who also like are friends with dads of recruits and you know, strategically like tweet out and pump up certain players. Like there's just whole weird nebulous kind of exposure cycle to recruiting. That just feels very odd to me that I've never, um, there's a general skeeviness that I just, I just don't like. Yeah. Some of the language is weird and we don't have to get into all that, but like when I will let coaches say anything nice about players that they want, like their coaches, they got to get their guys pumped up, especially high school coaches who are a different breed. And I know a lot of really good ones. Um, that are like constantly hyping their players on Twitter and that's great and awesome. But when you're like just a dude that covers football and you're like, man, this stud from so-and-so, it's like, Hey, calm down. You're kind of yeah, I mean, you're like, a little bit. Maybe don't tweet about the supple thighs of this running back. Just be cool. That's all I ask. Just be cool. Yeah. Damn, be cool. Uh, golly. Uh, what a wonderful banter segment. Um, was that banter? Because we talked. That was twenty five minutes. We talked Cruton. We talked Cruton. We did. We did real things there. Um, yeah, I guess let's uh, let's pivot out of that and let's talk about um, some Big Twelve bowls because there's some interesting matchups here, and I think there's a lot of fun potential matchups. Um, and uh, I know next week is like Christmas ish, so I don't know that we'll podcast between now and then. So we figure we might as well talk about those bowls uh, while we can. Yeah. Yeah, um, a lot of really interesting matchups stylistically. Um, historically, we talk about some of the coaches that will be squaring off against each other. Um, programs on the up, programs on the down. I mean, I mentioned coaches. This starts, Parker, if you just want to get right into it, with the Liberty Bowl between Texas Tech and Mississippi State. The Mike Leach Well, Bowl. do we want to – sorry, let's pause. Do we want to do – do we want to just go through them or do we want to try and rank them for watchability? Oh. I don't I'm, – I'm indifferent. Oh, I, st- I stampeded all over how you wanted to do this. This is a good live on podcast meeting. Yeah, but let's rank them watch- watchability wise. If I if I did announce more preparation for this for this podcast, Grant, I wouldn't enjoy it. So I don't. Yeah, it's fine. I'm glad we do this. <laughs> That's fine. Um, yeah, let's rank them watchability wise because I, I pretty much have that too. Okay, um, I am pulling those up. I'm pulling up my previews. Um, yeah. So, what is your most watchable bowl game of 2021 for the Big Twelve? Okay, I'm talking strictly watchability and not um, quality. Tech Mississippi State is going to be weird as hell. See, I actually think that it might not be as watchable. Um, <clears throat> I like theory storylines. I'm with you. Liberty Bowl, Mike Leach facing facing Texas Tech. That's extremely fun. But I think Mississippi State is like a lot better than Texas Tech. Oh, yeah. I was kind of thinking that too. I mean, it might be a blowout, but it might be watchable to see if they can score 80. Like Leach is not going to take his foot off the gas pedal. 
No, no. That I mean, that's going to be fun in its, of itself. That he's just going to say, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna murder you." Um, and so that's interesting. And what what's fun about that one too is like people don't think about you know people don't equate Liberty Bowl Memphis. People don't equate Memphis with like terrible winter weather. But that week of the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, having grown up there, having been to many Liberty Bowls, having had my you know butt frozen to a metal seat in the Liberty Bowl and multiple times, like. It can be 70 and sunny, or it can be like 28 and spitting ice. And so yeah. the kind of random draw there is is very fun as well. Was the TCU-Georgia Liberty Bowl the most, the most forgettable bowl game since TCU joined the Big 12? Yeah, oh, easily. Yeah. Because it like, was... I, I covered that game. I don't remember it. No, I lied. <clears throat> the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. Oh, yeah against Michigan state that that was pretty that was pretty unmemorable the Georgia Liberty Bowl game was at least frustrating and like left a you know it's like that um that uh cringy middle school rock three days grace song where it's like I'd rather feel pain than nothing at all I felt pain during the Liberty (laughs) Bowl and so I remember it the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl I was just apathetic I was like yeah (laughs) we went you know we went seven and five this year like what the hell Imagine TCU playing Georgia in a bowl game anytime in the next three years. What a just a complete switch of program fates those two schools have had. Uh, yeah. But now we're getting sad again. Parker, what is your most watchable bowl game? So um, it's it's kind of weird because you got to look at like intrigue and you've got to look at um, quality and styles make fights. I, so, so I kind of am, I, I have two, which is cheating. My, my, my two, so my top three is Liberty Bowl, like not in this order, but the, the echelon of top three is Liberty Bowl and then uh, Cheese It Bowl, which is Clemson, Iowa State, hmm. and Sugar Bowl, which is Baylor Ole Miss. And so I like both of those because, and we can talk about them um, in, in detail, but Clemson, Iowa State is an opportunity for Iowa State to say, you're right. Our metrics were better than our record. We're actually good. And uh, we can beat a quality opponent in a bowl. We can kind of have, you know, something redemptive about the season. Um, again, they have a ton of seniors. And so there is that narrative of like, they have something to play for. Whereas Clemson is, is clearly looking for next year. Um, and then Baylor Ole Miss, I think could be a shootout like that. That could be very fun. Ole Miss's defense has been up and down all season. They've been a little bit better towards the end of the year, but it's like the ultimate weirdness of Ole Miss is this huge big play offense and Baylor is just a, a, a pretty average team that just doesn't make mistakes and that's how they've won games. And so both of those have interesting clashes of styles. Do you have a, um, a preference among those two? Among those two, I would say Baylor Ole Miss. I, I agree that Iowa State Clemson um, and the Cheez-It Bowl may be um, – probably a pretty good game, but I think you're secretly hoping in your perverse way for Clemson to just absolutely dog stomp them. I mean, Iowa State's a one and a half point favorite in this game. I projected Iowa State 27-23. Like, I think they'll win on the the numbers. Hmm. They should win this game. The shutdown forecast pointed this out, but Clemson in like the worst year in recent memory, if you have a short-term memory, and they lost three games. Yeah, and And people were like writing them off. Yeah. Yeah. Clemson's a very good team, but no, I, I think also, Baylor Ole Miss is going to be delightful. Last year, Clemson took four blue chip offensive linemen in 2021 cycle. So of course they did. They're going to be fine. Because they're a, they're a successful program, and that's what they do. Uh, uh, Baylor, a one-point favorite over Ole Miss, by the way, in the Sugar Bowl. So Baylor, Ole Miss, two very conflicting student bodies. Are they? Uh, on the surface, yes. I think if we pulled a Jane Goodall and lived among the apes, we would um, we would we would recognize that they're actually very similar. Uh, Two sides of the same coin, maybe. Um, Yeah. All right. What's so I I kind of agree with you. Those were well, Baylor Ole Miss was my number two. I had Oklahoma State Notre Dame at number three, which may end 17 to 14. But yeah, I'm still curious. Knowles is gone. And I. So that's an interesting one to me because there is the coaching deal, right? Like Oklahoma State lost Jim Knowles to Ohio State. 
Um, I saw Mike Gundy said that they gave, they offered Jim Knowles the most out of any coordinator in the big 12, I think. And like, I, I, maybe the language Hmm. was they offered him the most they've ever offered anyone and Ohio state still Hmm. beat it. Like Knowles, Knowles just went and got paid, which he's not an Ohio. He's not an Oklahoma state guy. Like he doesn't care. That's great. Good for him. No, I think Notre Dame's players. So one, they, they have both of their coordinators intact Two, they they're very good. Uh, they're a good team. Yeah. Three, I do think they feel a little bit like the shunned child, and have a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder than Oklahoma State does. I feel like Oklahoma State has a um, disappointing end of the season and mm-hmm. might be a little bit slumping. And so I kind of wrote off Oklahoma State in this game. I think. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think Notre Dame. Um... I think every single person in South Bend is pissed at Brian Kelly yeah, and are, are willing to sort of take it out on, on poor uh, Oklahoma State. But I don't know. I, I still think it's going to be a good game. It's the Fiesta Bowl. It's on New Year's Day. Kickoff's at noon, so it's going to be a weird noon, but like big bowl game. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm very interested in it. Uh, I'm going to watch every both. single bowl game. Grant, my, the, the beauty yeah. of bowl season this year is that I technically work in college football. So whenever I'm doing anything over the Christmas season and my relatives are annoying me, I can be like, guys, I got to work. Sorry. No. Uh, after that, the watchability drops tremendously. Oh, yeah. So so much. Um, I'm, so West Virginia, Minnesota, and LSU, Kansas State are the remaining bowl games. I, I love I college football. I talk myself in. I could talk myself no, into West Virginia, no, 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 Minnesota no, no. being decent. That game kicks off at 9.15 p.m. Central Time. If I make it on, through the first quarter, something's gone wrong. On Tuesday, December 28th. That's great. You've got nothing going on on Wednesday. Everybody takes that week off. It's my sister. Wednesday's my sister's birthday. Well, yeah. What do, You're going to do a party at what? Like 6 <laughs> p.m. or something? I mean, what, what are you doing? You're not, you're not waking up and hiking a mountain at 6 a.m. There are no mountains around here. No, I know what you mean. I, I, I that game's going to be abysmal. Over a forty-five, Minnesota's a three and a half point favorite. It, it, not, not. I mean, it's worth it because it's the last vestige of college football we'll get. But that's going to be a terrible game. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be great. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> maybe Mo Ibrahim will play. I don't know. That would be fun minute for Minnesota, mm-hmm. but I think West Virginia just kind of what. Uh, wasn't worse than a lot of bad teams on their schedule. That's why they're ball eligible. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's not good. Yeah. That one's pretty lame. And then, and then, I mean, LSU, Kansas state, the issue there is like LSU, you know, change coach going to start a walk on quarterback, all sorts of nonsense there. Kansas state has, you know, Skylar Thompson's last game, a lot, lot to play for. Um, but they're obviously like at a talent disadvantage. And so I just don't have like a strong read on that game at all. I think that when the line moved a lot, I think LSU opened as like a two and a half point favorite. And I bet it at LSU mm. at Kansas state plus two and a half, but now Kansas state is a, a, a one point favorite. And again, I just don't know that I trust them. I, I would take Kansas state in this game. Just be, you mentioned the consistency with a Skylar Thompson's last game, B Chris Kleiman is a really good coach and C LSU. Who's coaching that game for LSU? Do you know? It's the interim. I I, I don't know his name. Okay. He's like That's on fine. staff. Like a uh, yeah. I mean, just somebody that internally, not anybody uh, of consequence. I mean, not that he's not of consequence. He's a person and he has value. I just mean, I don't know who it is. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean that that game is Tuesday, January fourth. So it's one of the final bowl games. I'll watch it. Um, I'll be back at work at that point, so I'll need something to do in the afternoons. But, um. It's, it's still not going to be very, be very fun, I don't think. Th- that's the bottom of my watchability, I think. No, no, West Virginia, Minnesota, it kicks off too late. That's that's the lowest. But okay, I actually was going to float that, that Oregon, Oklahoma was pretty low on my list. Yeah, so we had, that's the one we didn't talk about. So I think that one's two pretty interim close head to the coaches. Yeah. Alma Bowl, 815 on December 29th. Um, Boy, both teams just kind of hey, just wait until next year. Just this this game does not matter to any one of them. Um, kind of the land of the unknown. It's not like either one of them have uh, you know impressive offenses. 
that are going to, you know, at least light it up and score a bunch of points, especially with the sort of interim. So I, I could definitely see that being low. Yeah, that, that one feels like it's going to be a snoozer where it's just kind of, you know, especially because it's like Oklahoma's first bowl game that's not a New Year's Six game in, what, like 10 years? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think the last time they wouldn't have been in one. When TC went to the Peach Bowl, did Oklahoma make a New Year's Six? No, because no, they played... Uh, Baylor did. The, yeah. And didn't Oklahoma play A&M one year? Or I get the Blake Bell... John Menzel era all mixed together, but um, I'm looking yeah. Anyway, it's been a long time since they've had nothing to play for. Oklahoma's bowl games. Oh my gosh! Holy cow! All right, this is wild. I'm going to start in 2002 just because this is good content. Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, BCS Championship, Sun Bowl, uh, Fiesta Bowl, Insight Bowl, Cotton Bowl. Sugar Bowl, or so New Big 12, New Big 12, Sugar Bowl in 14, they went to the Russell Athletic, then Orange, Sugar, Rose, Orange, Peach, Cotton, Alamo. So this is only the second time in the New Big 12 and the first time in the playoff era that they have not gone to um, a New Year's Six Bowl. And they lost to Oklahoma 42-6 in the 2014 Camping World Bowl. Russell Athletic Bowl, whatever it was called at the time. And there you go. Yeah, that uh, that is insane, man. That is absolutely insane. Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley, I'll say it. Good coaches. This is kind of unfair because they're in really good bowls and they play really good teams, but Oklahoma is just two and five in bowl games since oh, yeah. the playoff era. Yeah. yeah, I mean, one of those is the LSU game with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, they were never going to win that. Um the Georgia comeback in the Rose Bowl. And I think they drew Clemson one year. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, they're just playing really good teams. They kind of have no shot. I'm counting right now. Parker's got a look in his eye like he's seen something. Seven and six, seven and seven, eight and seven, eight and eight, eight and nine. 9-9, and 9-10, 9-11, 9-12, 10-12. Nine nine Oklahoma, since Bob Soups took over, is 10-12 and 12 in bowls. That's interesting. That seems less than I thought it would be. That's all. It's like, what, what, what's just sad about the Dallas Cowboys? They were, like, perfectly 500 from their last Super Bowl win until, like, 2014. That's basically how the Sooners have been in bowl games. Interesting. Yeah. Arbitrary uh, and Do we points, want to interesting go ahead? Same. Yeah. Ar- ar- arbitrary, but, yeah, interesting. Right. Did you know uh, Terry Bradshaw played for Louisiana Tech? Um, Did you know that Terry Bradshaw – I'm not even finishing it. It's just funny because it's a bit. (laughs) Uh, Our listeners sent in some Big 12 watchability rankings or at least thoughts. Yeah. Do you want to go into those? That's a good idea. Um, We should start with the best one from Yale MK. Uh, And I think this is the reason why I picked the – actually from J.D. Moore. I'm here to watch – Mike Leach take a live hostage during the Liberty Bowl until someone pays his 2009 buyout in full. Yeah, that um, that sounds about right. Like, there's going to be something weird. Because um, wasn't, I mean, he, Mississippi State played, like, Tulsa in the Liberty Bowl last year? I think so. And it may not have been a Liberty Bowl, but, like, they got in a fight. Do you remember that? ESPN was, like, showing yes, these kids fighting each other. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. J.D. Moore says, or excuse me, Yellen K says that as well. Hell, I can't wait for Leach to roast Tech on the field, off the field, home manage one of them. He might carry a live sword on the sideline. Um, like we joke about him yeah. being a pirate. He might just carry one out there. Um, I'm expecting a post-game. Um, my, my bet is a post-game t-shirt that says, pay me my money. That's my Leach I'm bet. I'm fine for that. A Texas Outsider says WVU v. Minnesota, which is clearly a joke because that's not true for anybody. Um, ben Booth. Yeah, three people said the guaranteed rate bowl just to be a-holes, and I know they're doing that on purpose, but that is Ben Booth, Mark Santucci, and Joe Milner. I mean, I do love a good guaranteed rate. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, so do I. Uh, guitars, Cadillacs, etc. The Cheez-It Bowl, because one is the Cheez-It Bowl, and two, plays, two, Iowa State plays Clemson in a bowl, just like their fans expected. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, preseason polls are marketing tools used by the uh, media conglomerates to um, get people invested in the season. And there is no better uh, better example of that than, you know, Iowa State and Clemson both being projected by ESPN's FBI to go to the playoff and them playing each other in the Cheez-It Bowl. <laughs> Uh, Bearhead Sports at Baylor Bearhead. Ole Miss Baylor should be really fun, win or lose. Ole Miss's offense is just so fun to watch. Although as a Baylor fan, I am somewhat biased towards the veer and shoot. Yeah, we know it sticks around. You guys can't wash that shit off. I understand. Language warning. Uh, the veer and shoot my... is the Bryles offense, in case you guys are wondering. I know, I know. <clears throat> well, yeah, a lot of other people ran it. Uh, Hoppy Holidays at Nick Picks, perhaps my favorite prediction. I'm excited. <laughs> just generally. hell yeah man <laughs> i hope both teams go out there and have fun it's uh it's rob Lowe wearing the nfl hat uh, <laughs> in the stands that day. <laughs> he's just here for the football <laughs> joe goodman at the joe goodman uh texas versus usc fair fair play uh, wait did we even talk about that one we didn't even rank that one because it's not a real bowl game texas didn't make a bowl Oh my god! Okay, I was so confused for a second. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "What the hell?" Yeah, <clears throat> and a great response to that too from uh, at I studied trees Grinch thick. The culture shock of Washington State versus Miami in El Paso, which is not a Big Twelve bowl, but man, I, I will say you I ever feel been like to El Paso? Washington State knows something about being out in the middle of gosh dang nowhere. Um, no, I've That's never true. been to El Paso. I went to Big Bend from Houston. We drove 10 hours on the highway and then we turned left to go to Big Bend and there were still 238 miles to El Paso. It is so <laughs> damn far out there. Buddy of mine played a left tackle for UTEP. Um, and he was like, hey, y'all should come out and visit. And we're like, no, <laughs> I don't think we will, man, but you have fun. I I've heard it's to- actually... It's actually like a really nice and like clean and safe place, um, despite all the rumors, but it's just in the middle of absolute nowhere. It's so hard to get there. I did. There was a, a couple friends of mine went to a, uh, they didn't went to, they had a wedding in Fort Worth and um, she had some El Paso cousins and we got seated at the table with the El Paso cousins and they were some of my favorite people in the world, had a lot of fun with them. Uh, and they kind of said the same thing too, is like everything you've heard about El Paso it's not true. Like it's awesome, um, and I'm I'm certain it is. I just you just can't swing through El Paso, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, it's like some you know everyone says oh like Budapest is really cool. It's like great. Uh, I'm I'm never gonna go, but I yeah. enjoy it. I I love that for you. It's just not for me, you know. Yeah, I'll take. I'm gonna go to London or Paris or Munich or whatever. <laughs> I, I was thinking of the beer garden, so oh, Munich, but yeah. A little more on uh, the, What else uh, do we have, Parker? Anything. Um, Man, nothing really. I, I had a couple questions in the DMs, but they're a little off topic and wonkery, and we'll save them for later. Um, Other than that, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's kind of weird. I feel like we tied the bow on TCU season last week, and I feel like National Signing Day was a little bit underwhelming today, and so I'm looking forward to watching Bulls and enjoying football. Um. Make sure you guys join the uh, join the pick'em and uh, embarrass us with your uh, good picks, or let us make fun of you with your bad picks. Um, I'm certain that we will read pick by pick the worst entry on on air and make fun of that person <laughs> specifically. So make sure your username uh, includes a lot of personal info so we can identify you. I will go through all 34 bowls or whoever many they are and say wrong, wrong, wrong. Um, is is there one because I know you do this somewhat for a living now? Is there one bowl game where you're like I don't know what how this line came into existence, but it is totally wrong. Yeah, so so on the Bet US show, I'm picking every bowl game <clears throat> because yeah. I do better on the bowls, and I'm you know just if we're gonna talk about every bowl, I might as well have a pick. Um, one that's interesting to me this the LA Bowl is Utah State and Oregon State. That line is seven. It's still at seven in favor of Oregon State. I think Utah State is scrappy as hell. I think they'll keep that close. Blake Anderson's a great story. My also weird theory about Utah State is like they've actually been really bad at home despite the fact that they're good. And like they went and dropped, you know, what, 40 points on San Diego State in the conference championship. Mm-hmm. 
Blake Anderson came from Arkansas State and he brought in 16 transfers. And my weird theory is that like they're not acclimated to the altitude. And so they suck at home <laughs> because they're like playing up in a mountain and they can't breathe. And when they go on the road, they have way better endurance. And so the team is better. So I think that um, that explains my Utah State uh, optimism. But I, I think they'll be closer in that L.A. Bowl to Oregon State than uh, than than seven points for sure. I like that. Uh, Oregon State, a, um, a a decent team. I was surprised by how well they played. Um, Jonathan Smith, who has the most like generic name of any coach in the country, um, he's you know it's not all pushovers in Corvallis now, which I think is nice. No, no, it's not, and they're they're kind of interesting. There, there's a couple other ones like the Fenway Bowl is very funny to me, but obviously like both teams have lost their coach, so it's not going to be cool anymore. But like. SMU and Virginia are both of the are two of like the we'll score a million points against bad bad defenses teams <laughs> and they both have bad defenses and so that game is was I don't know what it'll look like now but was going to be like a six hour affair where they scored you know fifty points each the the total opened at seventy two and a half and I think it's moved up to like seventy three or seventy four um, and so that uh, one is just funny. Also, those, I think those two schools are very culturally similar. Um, and so yes. I like that in bowls as well. Did, did you know the LA Bowl is officially the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl? Yeah, I've actually made a commitment to trying to not say the advertising <laughs> if it's not the name of the bowl because I'm not getting paid for that shit. No, I'm just saying it's better than Jimmy Fallon. Um, the other thing someone submitted in the DMs, a... Uh, friend of mine who works in the Air Force Athletic Department. Air Force is going to run for 400 yards against Louisville and have 45 minutes of offensive possession time in the first responders bowl. So, Sounds about right. Bold prediction. Uh, the only other one that I think has very good meme potential is like Houston very much could beat Auburn in oh, yeah. the Birmingham Bowl. But if they don't, then it's funny because Cincinnati got in the playoff basically because the committee had no other options, but they actually had like a really weak resume. Like if one of their big <laughs> signature wins is a bad team. Yeah. That's funny too. I don't, I don't think they're a bad team. I respect Dana Holgerson probably more than I should, but I'm impressed by what he's done with Houston. And I think if he were to stay like four more years, they could really be a, a damn problem. I I mean, I, I, I really think so. And I think that, how many times in your life have you like called your shot and been like, Nope, the situation isn't good. I'm getting out and I'm doing something else. Like that's been very rare for me. And I feel like Holgerson on a professional stage did that better than anyone else in the world. Oh yeah. Like, like he let the power such a better job. situation at Houston. Yep. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. So, Holgo. Have a, have a Red Bull on me or, or some water, hydrate a little bit, dilute it. Your kidneys aren't going to last forever. You know, whatever. Cut the Red Bull with the water. Half and half. <laughs> Sounds disgusting. Gross. Gross. Um, Grant, what are you... Okay, so we're, we're getting out of here. What are you asking for for Christmas this year? What's your, uh, what are you asking Santa for? Do you believe in Santa? I, uh, I if, if Okay, can no, I get my grievance here? Ironically, you as an adult male, Grant, do you believe in Santa? <laughs> can I get my grievance here? In Christmas movies... If the parents are like, oh, we don't believe in Santa, but like Santa's real, where do they think the presents come from? Dude, parents are just dumb in movies, man. <clears throat> yeah. uh, I am asking for a doggy DNA so I can find out what the hell Max is. Oh, nice. We did that for uh, we did that for Tim and got some funny results. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. They've said he's like a, a pointer primarily, but I don't know. I think he's got a little hound in him. So we'll see. What about you? He does. He does look like a dog flavored dog. Like he is. He is a dog. I know that for sure. Yeah, if you draw if you draw a dog, you pretty much just get Max, which you I'm think fine about with. Like, you, I mean, I don't know when the last time you've drank like a Pilsner is, right? But like a Pilsner is a beer flavored beer. You're like, yeah, this is this tastes mm-hmm. like beer. Max is Max is that. He's a dog flavored dog. You're like, yep. When I think of dog, that's that's what he looks <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, what are you asking Santa for? Uh, I am asking for this little, uh, mouth mouthpiece that you use when you're like weightlifting and doing cardio that like sets your jaw and helps your breathing and respiratory stuff. Um, because I really should just like eat less and do more cardio, but instead I want to do all these other physical hacks 
to try and improve my performance without having to make any cuts in any aspect of my life. <laughs> what, what the listeners can't see is that Parker is looking directly at the stats a lot, as he says, what he wants for Christmas. So that's a fun little Easter egg. <laughs> no, we actually we actually don't really get each other Christmas gifts because we kind of like save up and do gifts just through. I mean, because, again, we're never like oh, yeah. anything big, save up, whatever. But it's like, hey, you want this thing like I needed new I needed new like, you know, deadlift straps. That's two workout things. I'm not trying to be a meathead, but like and so we just we just bought them when I needed them. And so yeah, comes Christmas. Right. We're like, yeah, we're not really. So most of that is like my parents just want to get me something. So I try and think of something that's like you know, between 30 and $50, that's right. somewhat useful. Yeah. So I can tell them throughout the year that I've used it. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's doggy DNA and a bunch of books and vinyls. So I told my sister to get me because I'm pretentious. So can't go wrong. And you've got a great bookshelf and you got to fill it out. I get that. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's all I got. Well, um, that's great, Grant. This is uh, we're, we're we're signing off here on Wednesday, December fifteenth. Uh, I think we're calling it a wrap on the twenty twenty one season in all ways, shapes, and forms. Um, we'll we'll take a little break for Christmas. I think we'll be back in January before football ends, even if we just have a beer and talk about bowls and hang out, and then uh, we'll kind of see what happens uh, in the great beyond of the off season and and what all that looks like. But uh, for now. All you listeners, make sure you're following Grant on Twitter at Grant McGalliard, spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. And uh, you can follow me at StatsOWar on Twitter. You can catch me on the BetUS College Football Show tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Central. We're breaking down some more bowls as well. And uh, have a Merry Christmas. Have a Happy Holiday. Have a Happy Break if you get one. And uh, we'll see all of you on the other side. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. Go Frogs.